0: And welcome to the NRL Round 22 Preview Podcast. Bit of a mouthful, as is the title, not just a sports report, although today, reporting about sport. So we've got the Round 22 Preview, and now it's Women and League Round as well. Do not forget that. So it's a great chance to really brush up on the women's game as well. Do not forget NRLW Round 2 taking place this weekend. And over on the NRL's Instagram and socials, uh, they've posted quite a bit about the overall kind of mission of what Women in League is all about. Uh, So I would implore you to go over and read it. I did, but my memory is pretty shocking now that I'm on the spot. And I've actually got my cat sitting on me right now, so I can't get up. But Women in League round, it's going to be good. And, like, it's pretty... Outrageous as well to think you know men and women have been around the same amount of time, and the fact that, like the women still now in twenty twenty three have to fight tooth and nail for every opportunity that they can get it's pretty wild. I mean, let's not forget it wasn't that long ago that women couldn't even vote, so it's a fucking it's a weird world, it's a very weird world, we're still working on trying. To get women's rights up to speed, let alone everything else. Everyone else is fucking subject uh, to discrimination and things like that. So, pretty wild. And women in league round, it's an important round. So make sure to get around, uh, amongst it. I'm going to make sure to get amongst speaking English properly uh, if I can. And usually we'd start the podcast off with news and views. Not a lot of news though uh, that I really want to touch on. Still, of course, the RLPA and the NRL having a bit of a standoff. It's quite funny as well, seeing things like Fox League post about, you know, this player, this player boycott is fucking up the women's game and all this stuff. It's like, okay, thanks Fox Sports. You are definitely a trusted sport uh, source of unbiased information. It's not like you're directly affected by the strike and it would be your benefit for the strike to end. And it's not like you know, Fox Sports employs a heap of News Corp journalists that have a very set uh, kind of view that doesn't deviate too far uh, from the Murdoch media and what they like to put out into the world. So thanks Fox Sports for another unbiased post. Uh, But I'm with the players. I'm always gonna be with the players here. So look, I don't care if we don't get to see interviews. And hell, if it goes into the final series, Whatever, I'm standing by the players, Uh, that's just where I'm at, and yeah, I don't understand, I don't really understand people who try to defend the NRL, like it's a big corporation that really the biggest point is to bring in money, whereas the players, they are trying to feed their families, and there are also a host of other things, uh, like injuries post career that affect them, and NRL, they're not making this money. Without the players. And then I see like some absolute dropkicks. Comments stuff like. Oh well there's always other players you know. Tell them to fuck off. We'll bring other players in. Like that sounds like an awesome idea. Let's fill the NRL. With reserve grade talent. That'll be epic. And won't be shit at all. So yeah. I'm with the players on the strike. Other piece of news and views. Sio Sio Tokiaho. Former warrior. And of course a former rooster player and a Premiership winner at that. Been over in the Super League, but word is a few NRL clubs chasing Torquiao. Most notably the Bulldogs, which to be honest, I reckon that's the exact kind of signing uh, that they need. So I would love it if he signed with the Bulldogs. Would love it even more if he came back to the Warriors uh, where everything all began. But at the same time now, Warriors, the club I support, We don't need to pay anyone overs, so unless he's going to come for a fraction of the coin, which considering Tiger's Bulldogs lining up for his services, I'd say he'd get a pretty decent contract. So yeah, if he's not going to come back on decent coin, we don't need him. That's been proven. Uh, But he's one hell of a player, so I would certainly take him at my club. And if I was a Bulldogs fan, I'd be hoping you can land Toki Aho. So that's basically uh, before we get into the games. That's the news and views. We've got women in league. In fact, I might even just pull up their mission statement quickly. Our CO CEO Tokiaho set to return to rugby league. And of course, the player strike still taking place. Uh, and it's funny, because yeah, the media and the broadcasters, it's their content that's plastered everywhere. The players not really coming out and putting any statements out there. It's all coming through the RLPA. Uh, So I find it funny. Like, of course the broadcasters are going to be posting articles about how this strike is fucking up the game because it's fucking up their paycheck. At the same time, though, I can understand the argument. Uh, The broadcasters, essentially, they pay the bills and they aren't the NRL. So I can understand why the broadcasters are upset given they're paying pretty top dollar and it's the broadcasters right now Who are suffering. But. I don't give a shit. I'm going to take the players side every day. And while some of their demands. You know. They're a little bit large. I don't think any of them are super unreasonable. So NRL. They're standing their ground. Good on the RLPA. And all the players. For standing their ground. As well. And we'll see what happens. As far as the broadcast side of things. But. Yeah, journalists, reporters, uh, the NRL itself, or the players. I'm going to take the players' side. I think think it's pretty fair. So anyway, that's enough about that shit. Let's get into the games. That's what today is all about. The round 22 preview, eight games ahead of us. The mighty Warriors with a bye collecting two more points to solidify ourselves in the top four. Uh, But we do have eight games. So, my beloved Warriors, not in action. Everyone else is. So let's get amongst it. We are not here to fuck spiders in round 22, apparently. Getting balls deep straight away. With a massive game on Thursday night. Uh, We're at the Gabba as well, would you believe? So no Suncorp just yet uh, with the Women's World Cup on. So at the Gabba. We have the second-placed Broncos up against the 12th-placed Roosters. Now, last round, we saw Brisbane yet again with another win away from home. Although Sunshine Coast, I mean, is that really in a away game? Also, side note, as someone who used to live on the sunny coast, kind of funny how Broncos, to the best of my knowledge, didn't really give a shit about the region, never played games there, never signed players from there. Never gave any assistance to the Falcons. Like they might have, but not not heaps. And now all of a sudden that the Dolphins have come into town, very much Sunshine Coast territory, they have done a great job as well of immersing themselves in different spots around Queensland, not just Redcliffe. So kind of funny how the Dolphins, soon as they start giving a shit about the Sunny Coast, now all of a sudden the Broncos want to do camps there and things. Happy to be proven wrong as well. Correct me if if I'm wrong there, but that's just a perception. Uh, but Brisbane, on the sunny coast last round, put the South Sydney Rabbitohs to the sword. One of the top teams in this competition, uh, of course, minus Luttrell and Brisbane Broncos. I mean, the critics get less and less with each passing week. At the start of the season, it's like, okay, good start, whatever. Midway through the season, it's like, well, you guys are killing it but you did fucking shit the bed uh, at the end of last season. Well, now, I think we've actually passed the point that this time last year, the Broncos started to melt down. So, yeah, the critics, by each passing week, continue to get silenced, and I'm a massive believer uh, in what Brisbane can do this year. Now, Katoni Staggs, he was the standout in that game, and this is another clash uh, where he goes head-to-head with Billy Smith where well, I really think Katoni Staggs are partnered with Selwyn Cobbo on that right side. Uh, when I look at the Broncos here and I think, if this game needs someone to really break it open, obviously, obvious answers uh, would be Reynolds or Ezra Mam, Reese Walsh. Uh, but I actually look over on that right side of the park, and if they can manage to unlock Katoni Staggs throughout this game, if they can have Reese Walsh sweeping the line, uh, and really just giving good service to Katoni Staggs one-on-one with Billy Smith. Katoni Staggs is one in this game, uh, who I can see pretty much ending the Roosters season. And for the Broncos, they have everything to play for. Sitting in second place right now, we are right around the corner from the finals. So no longer is it just a good start or a decent season. They are firmly in the mix for the Premiership. And even as a Warriors fan, I think it's very fair to say that the main threat to the Panthers' three-peat ambitions are the Broncos. Very complete side, some amazing centres, a world-class forward pack. You've got the experience of Adam Reynolds, a Premiership-winning halfback. You've got Ezra Mam, a young half whose best years are still ahead of him. You've got Cobbo on the wing. Now I see Dean Mariner. Uh, has come into the side as well, and if you were paying attention in the preseason, I did a one to watch series, one young player from each club uh, to keep an eye on this year. And for the Broncos, my one to watch are uh, none other than Dean Mariner. I believe next year, once Herbie goes to the Dolphins, uh, that we're going to see Dean either at left centre or potentially on the wing, and they'll move Cobbo into the centres. Not too sure, but I am pretty confident that next year, Dean Mariner is gonna be a consistent fixture within the Broncos' best 17. So that's where Brisbane are at. They are gunning for the Premiership. For the Roosters, they enter this one with their season on the line. Now they're still in the mix, but out of all the teams that can still make the finals, they are the least likely. They sit 12th, so they are at the very bottom Everyone below them, dunskies, they're not fucking, they're not playing finals. So that's where roosters find themselves. They're about one more loss away from fully being out of the picture. And if you've listened to the pod in recent weeks, I've already put a line through the roosters. I don't believe that they are relevant in the premiership race, which it's kind of a bold call, kind of not. I mean, they sit 12th, so it's not that bold of a call. But they're only two points outside the eight. They do have a phenomenal roster. But yeah, I just, I don't think they're relevant in the Premiership race. Even what, they might scrape into finals seventh or eighth. They did that last year, had nothing left by the time they got to finals. So Roosters, shockingly, I think they're pretenders. I think they are total pretenders. Definitely not contenders. Although if there is a side that's going to prove me wrong, it will be the Roosters but we're at at round 22. I feel like I've had a good enough sample size to say this isn't the same Roosters side of the last few years. It seemed like when they first rocked up this season, they looked at the team they had and they just thought it was gonna be easy, I guess. I think they thought they had the best roster in the NRL. And then fast forward, like most of the teams in the comp have improved. So Roosters, they got off to a slow start. It's just seemed like they thought everything was going to come easily to them this year. And when the going gets tough, other than maybe Jared Warrior Hargreaves, Lindsay Collins, not many of these Roosters players have been able to roll their sleeves up and actually really get into the dirty work that helps them win games. And now, given that they're a glamour club, it's like, okay, you think you're just going to fucking flick a switch, hit form, and cruise into finals? I don't think so. I think the Roosters have left it way too late. Uh, But we will have to see. They had a massive win on the Gold Coast last weekend. They sit two points outside the top eight. So realistically, heading into this Thursday night game, it's now or never. It essentially is win or go home, and it's against the peak form Broncos, who sit second. So if Roosters win this, they put themselves right back in the mix and they will 100% deserve it. If you go and beat the Broncos, you deserve to be back in the mix. Uh, But I think I've seen enough from the Roosters this year. I don't think scoring a fair few points against Titans, who I think have one of the shittest defenses in the the whole league, other than maybe like Bulldogs and Tigers. Uh, So yeah, I'm not that impressed. Congratulations, you penetrated the Titans' defense. Fucking hell, chuck a jersey on me. I reckon I might be able to fucking get through their defensive line, the rate they're defending. So not super impressed. But the coach of the Roosters, Trent Robinson, he's a proven winner. This club does have all the resources, all the players, all the third-party deals to help lure players to the club. They have everything they need. So for them to sit where they are is concerning, but that is also kind of a positive in the case of maybe why the Roosters aren't done yet. I think this game is going to tell us, though, exactly where they stand. And for Trent Robinson, this is the biggest test of his career. Now, there was one other season, uh, the Mitchell Pierce Australia Day dog season, is the best way I can put it, uh, where the Roosters had a similarly poor season, probably even worse, but that, you had young Jackson Hastings, a young Jaden Nicarima in the halves. Luttrell had only just burst onto the scene, I believe it was his first season. This Roosters team, this is not a team of young players just trying to find their feet. You've got James Tedesco, Australian captain, Joey Manu, golden boot winner, Daniel Tupou, who's just one try away, from being the all-time Roosters tri-scorer. You've got Joseph Swalii, prodigious talent, Luke Keary, multiple-time premiership winner. They signed Brandon Smith, Lindsay Collins, Queensland Ford, Jared Warria Hargreaves, multiple-time premiership winner, and Kiwi Ford. Victor Radley, English player of all the fucking teams, to represent. So this team is absolutely stacked comparatively to the team that struggled. Uh, A Number of years ago, and I think that is why this is Trent Robinson's biggest challenge because he may have to tap a few pretty established stars on the on the shoulder and just say We might be better off without you and I'm not saying Tedesco or Joey Mano or Kiri or anything like that But it does seem pretty apparent that some changes a bit of a shake-up to their roster is on the way so big challenge ahead for Trent Robinson very much the same for Kevin Walters, but for different reasons. Biggest challenge of his career, to take them all the way to the Premiership. And when you consider uh, the lean years Kevin has had to experience trying to get this side back up and running, when you consider that the Broncos wouldn't give him the coaching job until the point where they were on their knees at the worst, lowest point in the club's history, Kevin Walters, look at where he has the side now. Especially coming into the pre-season, the Selwyn Cobbo podcast comments, like if if Brisbane had got off to a poor start, I don't reckon Kevy would be coaching them right now. So I'm stoked. Like I have always wanted Kevin Walters to succeed, and now he finds himself, well, he finds himself with the opportunity to become the only coach at Brisbane outside of the great Wayne Bennett to coach this team to premiership success, and that. That's a pretty big deal. Uh, team news. Dean Mariner onto the wing. Mentioned him before. Tom Flegler back and Brendan Piakura. Uh, so that is really going to add a bit of strength into the pack for Brisbane. Marty Tapau is out. He's been suspended. And Jesse Arthurs is out. Now for the Roosters. Victor Radley, he comes back and will play lock Ford. So Nathan Brown back to the bench. Siwa Wong drops out of the side. Now, what I mentioned before, Daniel Tupo, he needs just one more try to break the record of one of my all time favourites, Anthony Minicello. Uh 139 tries, both of them are on. So, if Daniel Tupo cracks the 140 this weekend, he is going to become the top try scorer in Roosters history. Pretty wild. Roosters aren't, you know, the Gold Coast, they didn't rock up in 2007. They've been around for a hot minute, so very impressive and I feel privileged that I've got to watch his entire career. So there you go, Minichello too. that is a blast from the past. Takes me back to like 2003, 2004, Stacey Jones Rugby League on Playstation 2, maybe? Way back in the day and yeah, when I first really started cracking onto League, I'm telling you, it was just before Billy Slater was the man. He was still the man, but the man was Anthony Minicello. He was fucking unbelievable. He was the Australian fullback for the longest time. He was killing it at the Roosters. And I remember as, what, a six, seven, eight-year-old? Geez, I scored some epic full-field tries on the PS2 with my man, Anthony Minicello. So there you go, Mini, one of my all-time favorites. And that speaks volumes of what a great servant of this club Daniel Tupou has been. Now, my key battle in this game, uh, I've gone with the middle Fords. I think you've got Payne Haas, Flegler, Carrigan, up against the likes of Jared Warrior Hargreaves, Lindsay Collins. These are all world-class front rowers. And it's going to be about who can get on the front foot. And when I look at, you know, Payne Haas, it's going to be pretty hard for the Roosters to contain someone like Payne Haas. Although if Jared Warrior Hargreaves can have a repeat effort of his game last weekend, well, Roosters are every chance. Now, so my key battle in this one, the middle forwards, whoever can get their team on the front foot, will both sides have strike across the park uh, where they can really take advantage of the go forward. Now, prediction, I'm going with the Broncos. Why? Premiership relevancy. I believe they're every chance. I believe Roosters next to no chance. Uh, Broncos this year have produced sustained form. Roosters have done the complete opposite. Uh, So whilst Roosters good enough to win this contest, I'm going with the Brisbane Broncos. I think with their go-forward, Payne Haas on the front foot, Flegler back into the mix, uh, Patrick Carrigan, uh, as well as some pretty crafty offloaders that can create second-phase play, I just see Brisbane getting on the front foot. They've got the strike to capitalise. Uh, when you look at their edges, especially Katoni Staggs, Herbie Farnworth. And they've got proven finishes on the wing. Some incredible talents. I mean, Salon Cobbo, last game he played at the Gabba, scored three tries. Now, on the back of all of this, the Fords, the strike power, Ezra Mam, Adam Reynolds. I feel like they are going to be able uh, to really exploit the Roosters' defensive line. And I think whenever an opportunity presents themselves or itself, Adam Reynolds, he's the perfect guy uh, to create the right play. So Reynolds, I mean, I think he's one of the best halves in the world right now. And Ezra Mam, he has improved out of sight. This time last year, I thought his defense was really letting the side down. He has improved drastically defensively. And on the back of that, he's always been able to attack. So now... You've got the amazing electric attacking play of Ezra Mam, but it's backed up by really sturdy defense. So in amongst a world-class forward pack, in amongst some amazing backline players, it's Ezra Mam and Adam Reynolds that I believe are gonna ice this contest. So we're gonna lock it in, Brisbane Broncos over the Sydney Roosters. My cat has got his head in a bag if you're wondering what that is, so thanks. Thanks for ruining the audio integrity. Happens all the time. I, anytime there's a plastic bag or anything. He doesn't really understand what a podcast is. But yeah, you've never seen such a fucking desperate man. I'll tell you that. He comes in the room. There's a bit of fluff on the ground. Instantly sniffing it. Is that food? Unbelievable. My food. My cat, sorry. My cat is a food addict. So I'm mean, going to just ask him if he can keep his head out of the bags. Cause we got a few more games to get into. Broncos over the Roosters. All right. Before I jump into the next game, had a bit of news break in between recording, and I also kind of had a flashback to only a few minutes ago on the podcast when I said I'm gonna get up the Women in League statement, and then I don't know what happened. I just never did, and then I was like, well. Oh, What happened there? Ah, so let me read it. Woman in League. Uh, This is via Katie Page, the CEO of Harvey Norman. There you go, thanks Harvey Norman. They sponsor it, so fucking whatever. I'll, I'll put their name out there. Okay, here we go. This round is about developing pathways for women in whatever part of the game they want to participate in. There are so many ways you can be a part of the game. It doesn't have to be as an elite player. It's in the office, it's running the game. It's showing support on social media. You just need to join in. Oh, we got a few things. I don't think that was an official statement, actually. I think that was just... Just a bit of chat, but yeah. Hell yeah. Woman in league round. Hell no. Warriors Young Center, Viliami Vallier. I know, you dumb fuck. Oh my goodness, sorry. That, I had to pause there. That was just... Hey, that's a very aggressive reaction for no reason. Uh, What I was going to say... I'll tell you why I was saying dumb fuck as well. Um, outside back, Viliami Villair has signed a two year deal with the Cowboys, according to their Instagram. <sighs> I mean, whatever. We just signed, re signed Adam Pompey. We've got Roger Tuavaz coming next year. We've got Rocco Berry. Uh, I liked Villami Villair, though. A lot. A lot. Kind of reminds me of when we lost uh, Ngani Laumape. He was another one that I loved, so damn. Good luck to Viliami Vallier, though. I think this could be another semi valme situation uh, for the Cowboys, where they just pick up a perfect talent uh, to complement their side. So Viliami Vallier signed with the club. I believe he will slot in straight up for uh, Peter Hiku, who's off to the Super League. So why'd I say, I know you dumb fuck, Well, I made a comment on the (laughs) Instagram of the Cowboys. Basically just said, this makes me very sad, uh, but gave a little bit of credit to the Cowboys. It's like, you guys are are making some pretty good signings there. And then I finished off by saying, won't be surprised to see Violet slot straight in for Hiku in 2024. And then I read the comment, someone replied, Hiku is leaving at season's end. And then that was when I was like, I know you dumb fuck, (laughs) because... That's why I said he'll slot straight in for Hiku in 2024. Whatever though. (laughs) Whatever. Respect to that guy. He did not mean any ill will. Not the worst comment I've read. I actually actively stay out of comment sections because... Yeah, it seems to be where the dumbest motherfuckers hang out and spit the dumbest opinions possible. Not that guy. Not that guy. That guy wasn't out of line by what he said. There we go as well. One New Zealand Warriors... He's gonna leave at the end of the season, Vilea. so he's not leaving yet. But yeah, that's enough ranting, let me now, uh, with the power of one simple click, take myself over uh, to our Friday game, 6 p.m. West Tigers up against the Rabbitohs in Tamworth, uh, which is quite interesting. Rabbitohs play in Tamworth, then Perth, then Cairns. So they're going on a bit of a holiday at the moment, Uh, But Tigers up against the Rabbitohs in Tamworth last weekend. Well, Titans all but set themselves up for back-to-back wooden spoons. Quite ridiculous, too. Last year, they were my pick for the spoon. But I kept saying, I believe last year they're going to bottom out and then we'll start to see some improvements. I thought they bottomed out at 16th. They're about to bottom out to a whole new low. 17th position. Pretty unbelievable, they lost to the Dragons, uh, which tells you everything you need to know about where the Tigers are at. Uh, Whilst for the Bunnies, with that Broncos loss, they have dropped out of the top eight. Now it's not panic stations by any means, but as it stands, Rabbitohs not partaking in the final series. I do expect that to change though. I'm thinking, you know, horse racing. You have the horse kind of running midfield, toward the back, and then a few hundred meters out from the finish line, they just start to pick up the pace. And sometimes the front runners of the race start to slow down a little bit. So I can see that being the case for South Sydney. I think they're gonna come home with a wet sail. But, I mean, they're outside the eight right now, so they really, they have to. Otherwise they may miss out altogether. Now my X-Factor player for this game and for the Rabbitohs' entire season, Latrell Mitchell. Just what does he mean to this side? Seemingly everything. Without him, they've really been pretty far off the mark. Like, think when Trell was playing coming into the Origin Series, Bunnies were one of the hottest teams in the comp, one of the main premiership contenders. Whilst, while they've been without him, I mean, they lost to the Bulldogs... They lost last weekend against the Broncos. They've slowly dropped out of the eight. And that's despite having guys like Cody Walker, Cam Murray, Damian Cook. So what does that tell us? Tells us that Latrell Mitchell is the X Factor player. I don't think I'm breaking any crazy revelations by saying that. But the big news is that Trell is back. He's a confirmed starter for this game. So when I look at this contest... And I think who is going to break it wide open, Latrell Mitchell. Although very exciting for Tigers fans on the other side of the park, their fullback Jareem Buller, very exciting young talent in only his first season of first grade. So he's still a rookie, are still really warming into the role. But there's a real reality where in a couple of seasons' time, Buller for the Tigers could be equally as important his for the Bunnies right now. So it's good for the Tigers, like, I mean, I don't even wanna talk about how they lost James Tedesco, and everything since then, it's just, it hasn't really worked. So now, really exciting. They've got a good young fullback uh, that they can take forward into the future. Just don't let him go to the Roosters or anything like that. I think, and I say I think, because I really don't trust the Tigers, but I think they've learned their lesson. Let's hope so. Uh, now for Luttrell, back to the X Factor player quickly. When trail's on the park, it seems like Cody Walker just grows another leg. I uh, said so that combination, that's one, look, the top teams can find ways to shut it down. I don't know if the Tigers are gonna be able to. Onto the team news. For the Tigers, Luke Brooks back on deck uh, before he shoots off to Manly next year. And we see Tommy Talao, uh, I read maybe injured, but then I saw he was named in New South Wales Cup, so probably just dropped, which again, he's off to Manly. Nice signing, Manly. That's a good one. Uh, Junior Tupo shifts to centre, which I believe might be his preferred position anyway. And Tigers probably have the weakest centre depth in the entire competition. They do have young Josh Folletti, who played in the under 19's origin game. But yeah, Tigers, I feel like they have one of the worst center depths in the entire competition. So it wouldn't hurt for Junior Tupo to have a go. He might be the guy long term. Uh, And that opens up a position for Charlie Staines to return on the wing. This time last year, trying to fight his way into a premiership winning side where he'd score a try in the grand final. Now, fast forward to this point this year, And he's just returning to the bottom place side. So, Charlie Staines, he'll be like, damn. Damn, I reckon he's jealous of Dane Laurie getting to go back to Penrith. Whilst team news for the Bunnies, Luttrell back, as I mentioned. Jai Arrow is going to start in the front row uh, and Jacob Host in the second row. Last time they met, Bunnies won 20-0 earlier this season in a game where, funnily enough, people were taking a lot of positives from the Tigers' performance. I think now, with a bit of hindsight, I think we just set the bar so low that it's like, oh, you 20-nil. Well, at least Bunnies didn't put 50 on you. Like, the bar is low when 20-nil is like an encouraging defeat. So last time they met, Bunnies 20-nil, but the Tigers, following week, in response, I would score 66 points against the Cowboys. So. Funnily enough, some of those encouraging signs that we took from the 20-nil result, they were actually right. Tigers came out the next week, looked amazing, and it's been shit ever since. Again, just, they put 66 points on, it was like, yeah, the Tigers. Then Cowboys are like, shut up and hold my beer. 74-nil. So, yeah, Tigers, what's going on there? I don't know. I don't know. I've been trying to figure it out for like 10 years and I think, I think I'm think i just going to concede defeat. I have no idea what the hell is going on at that club. Uh, what I do know though, the left side for the Tigers has been awful. Tommy Talao being dropped as a result. Uh, but let me just read through a couple of things I wrote down in my notes. Uh, as far as opposition teams playing down the right side and tearing the Tigers a new asshole essentially... Uh, Tane Milne, who's playing on the wing this weekend. Last time they met, he scored two tries against the Tigers. We saw Will Warbrick on the right side score four tries against the Tigers. Last weekend, Zach Lomax in a lowly Dragon side absolutely dominated the Tigers on the right side. He scored a try on the right. Ravalawa scored a try on the right. Dominic Young gave them all sorts of issues. Sione Katoa scored three tries against them. Semi Velme scored a double. Uh, So I think with that being said, Tani Milne is almost a certainty for any time try scorer. Wouldn't be surprised if Campbell Graham goes over as well. But yeah, that is a major issue. Major issue. And yeah, I've had some success in recent weeks, kind of betting against the Tigers' left edge. So there you go. Uh, that was my notes as far as Tigers' defense. And I wrote down kind of the key battle here. South Sydney's right side against the Tigers' left. Now, you've got players set to one side, but of course floating all around the park, you've got Cody, Latrell and Lachlan Ilias, who can play make uh, on the front foot. You've got Cam Murray through the middle, Damian Cook, who possesses an amazing running game, uh, out of acting half. So even outside of the edges, like Rabbitohs have plenty that can really trouble the Tigers. Then you've got Kieon Kolamatangi head-to-head with Isaiah Papali'i. That should be a really good battle. Uh, Campbell Graham and Tane Milne against Junior Tupo and Charlie Staines. And I just feel feel like South Sydney are going to be far too strong. Now can the Tigers cause a boil over? It is a potential danger game for this ninth place South's outfit, and the shackles are off for the 17th place Tigers. At this point, they're almost destined for the wooden spoon, so it's like, what are you gonna do other than come out and just have a crack? Now, yeah, there's pressure of finishing last, but Tigers, I would say most of them, the ones who've been there for a few years, they're kind of used to it by now. They're sensitized to the pressure of finishing last, so, Shackles are off, could prove dangerous for the Tigers, Uh, but I just think with Rabbitohs, they have the full complement of their attacking weaponry, and then on the Tigers' side, their defence, their attack, those track records this season have been dismal to say the least. And if Wests don't show up here, they're going to get obliterated by a substantial margin. Now when I look at this Tigers' side, what's the path to victory? Well, other than the forwards going forward, Luke Brooks is back. Dane Laurie in the halves, who I thought was excellent against the Dragons. This is the main issue for the Tigers right now. Their halves, not just this year, not just recent years, but long-term going forward as well. Yes, they've signed Latu Finu, but at the same time, like you can't put all your eggs in the basket of a player who hasn't even reached first grade yet And say, this is our guy. Which, look, I think Latu Fainu is going to be an epic player. And I think long term, it actually is an amazing signing for the Tigers. But as far as their halves, there's a lot left to be desired. So now, probably the best combo of the year, Luke Brooks, Dane Laurie. If Tigers are to win, I think they'll have a uh, fair bit to do with it. But yeah, I think Fainu brothers are going to make a massive difference. However. I don't know, this might offend some people, probably not, but didn't Manly Seagulls put a lot of their faith in a young Finu uh, to, you know, like, hey, we're going to let go of Arpi Corosau because we've got Finu. He's a huge part of the future, and he's killing it. He's almost killing people, actually. He's fucking stabbing people. So, yeah, sorry if that rubs anyone the wrong way, but it's happened before. A club has put a lot of faith finer, now it wasn't Latu, it wasn't Samuella, so it's very harsh uh, to kind of paint them with the same brush, which is not what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to give an example that sometimes despite a player being an amazing talent, you can't put all your eggs in that basket. Look at Manly, they could have done with Arpi Corosau over the last few years. And then you've got the West Tigers coaching setup. Like, what is the go? I see Robbie Farrar, is an assistant, he is probably in the next couple of seasons going to move into more of an administrative role. I think it was even like a general manager of football or something, which I feel like when Robbie was playing at the club, he already was that, wasn't he? He got Mick Potter sacked or something along those lines. So Robbie Farah, I feel like, yeah, he's pretty much tailor-made to be the general manager of football. Already seemed to be calling the shots before he even retired. And then then Jason Taylor was like, fuck off. But then he got brought back. So, yeah, Robbie Farrow, one of the all-time great Tigers, but just saying. Tim Sheens, is he going to see out this full plan, which literally just started this year? He was going to coach this year, then next, and Benji takes over in 2025. Does Sheens even last the rest of this year? And if he does, is he going to get through 2024? So some sort of plan this one is that... Not even a year in and like shits all over the place Tim Sheen's seemingly being left out in the cold a lot of the time by this organization and then that gives Benji Marshall an icon of the club the man who I hope can be the one to turn this Tigers team around they've just given him a huge uphill battle the guy this is his first experience in any coaching at any level and you're not even going to give him halves. Like going into next year, they don't really have a set halves pairing, so it's an uphill battle for Benji. But he's he's off to a good start. I think the Finu brothers are a huge coup. Uh, so whilst I am kind of a little bit, I don't know, hesitant, just because I don't know, it's it's always a risk to be like this kid is fucking awesome. He's going to be the future. And then like I don't know, a good example, Josh Schuster at the Manly Seagulls. And then you end up letting a Karen Foran go. And yeah, it doesn't always turn out. But I think Finu brothers will, so let's stay positive. I think Tigers have signed two phenomenal players. I think they've even got Sione Finu too. So three Finu brothers. Pretty good start to try and build this club uh, going forward. Aiden Caesar, looks like they're gonna bring him in. He's gonna add experience, but What's his form going to be like? Like, he's playing at Leeds Rhinos. I haven't been watching a lot of Super League over the last couple of years. Uh, But Caesar, experienced. But is he going to be, you know, is he going to prove the difference in games? We'll have to wait and see. They do have talented youngsters in the squad, though. Jareem Buller has been a serious find this year. And I do wonder if the Tigers are going to end up landing uh, Jaden Sullivan from the Dragons which I think they should go after him. Because like I said, Aiden Caesar has experience, but does he have the form right now? Not sure about that. And then Latu Finu, a huge player of the future, most definitely. But is he going to be ready next year for a full season of first grade? Well, at the moment, him and Caesar, I mean, Caesar hasn't even signed. Right now, Latu Finu is the only half they have. So it's just like, oh, goodness gracious. That's a very Tigers thing to do as well. You don't want to, you know, develop a player poorly, throw them to the wolves without slowly developing them and getting them ready just because you're desperate. So I actually think Tigers need to go after Jaden Sullivan. He's experienced, he's shown that now's probably the time to give him a chance. And then that would allow Latu Finu to play a bit of Cup, uh, learn the structures of the team, and bring him in. Like, he, you want him to be. A player for 10 plus years. So there's no harm in developing them a little bit extra before bringing them in. But that's a lot of Tigers chat considering they're sitting 17th. And 2023 is a total write-off. But I'm keen to see how Tigers fare over the next two or three seasons. And I'm not a hater. Like I genuinely, I'll be happy to see the Tigers succeed when it happens. It's just like, you look at the players they've signed this year and everyone they've brought in. They have all the gear with no idea. Seemingly it starts at the top. Doesn't seem like the CEO is going anywhere. Doesn't seem like the mob boss, our chairman, is going anywhere. So yeah, I really hope things go well for the Tigers. But yeah, right now, set up all the gear, no idea. Prediction, South Sydney gets serious on the road to finals. I've got bunnies to get the job done, up against a Tigers side that have been flat out to win a game this year. Got less than a handful of wins, so yeah, I'm not going the Tigers here. I believe even if it's close, Souths are going to prevail, and I just expect South to outclass the Tigers in every sense of the word. So I'm going to take the Rabbitohs. You can thank me later, Russell Crowe. But I'm waiting, Tigers. I'm waiting. I'm ready for you guys to be good again. I think everyone this year, were kind of ready for the Tigers. Like my beloved Warriors have done, and just really been a surprise packet. I thought with the Tigers signing, it was a chance they could do it, but yeah. Better luck next year, taking the Rabbitohs. All right, sorry, I don't know why I spent such a colossal amount of time on that game, but <laughs> why not, why not? Uh, also, yeah, sorry for my disproportionate anger about the uh, about the Instagram comment. I sent a nice reply for your message. Uh, I didn't call him a dumb fuck. I even sent a smile and just said, that's why I said 2024, sent him a nice little smile. We're all good, other than my outburst. So. Friday night, Marvel Stadium Showdown. The fourth-placed Melbourne Storm meet the eighth-placed Parramatta Eels. So very much finals implications intertwined into this game. And these two sides, don't forget, went down to the wire in their round one meeting. And this clash promises to be equally as exciting. Now, the Eels are going to have to defend their position in the top eight with sides like the Rabbitohs are Seagulls, Knights, trying to make a run below them, and they're coming off a very tough loss against the Cowboys, without Regan Campbell-Gillard and without Micah Sevo. What's the Storm, well, they turned in one of their worst showings of the year, being out-enthused and totally outplayed by the Newcastle Knights. I've seen as well, back to in- Instagram comments, which honestly, I try to just... Yeah, stay out of. it's. There's so much negative shit. And it'll be, you know, some pleb being like, this player sucks. And then you look on their profile and they look fucked up. And they have like 12 followers, even though followers don't matter. Like that shit's all fake. I'm not saying you got to have thousands of followers. But yeah, sometimes I read a comment, click the profile, and then I look at them and I'm like, why did I take that comment seriously? Like, why did I give that any weight, if I talked to this person in real life, I would not take this comment seriously. Anyway, this isn't, I'm getting sidetracked today. Uh, but yeah, I saw Storm fans, they were not happy in the comments, they thought it was a disgraceful, a disgusting performance, which by Storm standards, it is. For Tigers or Dragons fans, that's just like your average weekend. So yeah, Storm fans, they can be babies, I'll tell you that much as someone who lives in Melbourne and goes to the game, for a side that wins all the time, fuck, they carry on a bit. Anyways, anyways, let's get back to this game. And both sides are going to be looking to bounce back. And it's going to be a good opportunity for us to learn exactly where these sides are at uh, in regards to their premiership medal. Also, some news I talked about on the Weekend Rap podcast. Josh Hodgson has played his last game of NRL one of my favorite players in recent years, so. On a personal note, I'm devastated for the bloke, especially given everything he's been through. On the other side, it's just like, c- cool signing, Eels, nice job. Let Reid Marnie go, Josh Hodgson doesn't even see a full year. But they have brought in Joey Lusick from St. Helens, and Brendan Hans has been one of the finds of the season. He's now become an essential member of this Eels team. But if it wasn't for Brandon Hans, then I think a lot of us would look at this signing, despite Bulldogs being awful this year, and just say, why'd you let Reed Marnie go? Now I can kinda of see why, Brandon Hands. Pretty bloody good. Now, checking out the team news. A few significant outs for Melbourne, none more so than big Nelson Arsofa Solomona. I believe only last weekend on the Weekend Wrap podcast, I was talking about how I don't think any Ford has such a presence and an impact for their team than Big Nelson. And now that they've lost him for this game, I do have concerns. I really think Melbourne's Ford pack are good, but not great this year, to be honest. Like they've lost uh, the Bromwich brothers, Cheese, Felice Cafusi. And we've seen time and time again this year, they've had to really lean on Big Nelson. So when he's not there, and I mean this very respectfully, but there's no one in that storm pack where it's like, all right, they're gonna take this by the scruff of the neck and really own it. Now Christian Welch is a world-class prop, but he's not gonna do it all on his own. So that is a major concern for me. Now if Nelson makes it through to the final series, and then it's worth worth not having him now. But yeah, I'm telling you. Keep an eye out this weekend because Storm are a totally different team without Big Nelson and not in a good way. They've also got a new center pairing with Remus Smith, Justin Olin both out. Uh, so Murray and Seve and Young Tonema Peier come into the side. Tom Eisenhuth. Eisenhuth, not Eisenhuth. Fucking hell. Tom Eisenhuth has been named to start in the back row, and Eli Katoa returns via the bench. Whilst for the Eels, Andrew Davey is gonna start in place of Sean Lane, who's out, and Joey Lusick, who's returning to the club, has been added to the bench. Now my players in focus for this one, I went with Cam Munster and Mitchell Moses, who will be playing head-to-head against each other. Munster I don't think I really need, To break that down, uh, why he's my player in focus, he is the marquee man for the Storm. And it used to be a case of, you know, Smith, Cooper Cronk, Billy Slater. Nowadays, although Pappy injured, it's Pappenhausen, Grant, Jerome Hughes, and Cameron Munster. But Munster is the guy. Like, Cooper Cronk, Smith, Smith was obviously the guy, but Cronk had his moments, Slater had his moments, quite a lot of them too. Whereas now, Cameron Munster is the guy, pretty clearly, for the Storm. So he's going to be the one that can get the Storm the win here. Uh, Whilst for the Eels, Mitchell Moses in a losing side last weekend. I thought he had an outstanding game, uh, which was a reflection of his entire season. He didn't get selected to play Origin for no reason. Uh, So Mitchell Moses, if he can have another big game here, I think Eels are every chance. Now, it's going to be Grant, Hughes, and Munster tasked with creating the big plays here. But I do wonder how they're going to do that. Because with Nelson out, where's the go-forward going to come from? They need the Storm Fords to lift to the next level. given the strength of the Eels pack. And it does take me back to that game at Marvel against the Panthers. Because I remember in the preview for that game, my point of difference, I went with... Uh, the front row combination of the Panthers uh, or their forward pack in general. And I remember first 20 minutes of that game, the Storm Fords were all over the Panthers. And I remember thinking, okay, we're starting to see, you know, who's going to stand up and really fill the lofty shoes of guys like Jesse Bromwich. But after 20 minutes, they had nothing left. And for the rest of the game, Panthers forwards were all over them. So I just feel like, yeah, the... Storm Fords, they're going to have to play better than they have. It's that simple. Like, right now, what I've seen from this year, it's enough to beat an Eel side here. But without Big Nelson, I don't think it's enough for them to really challenge teams come the finals. So we'll have to wait and see the Storm proven over years and years and years that they're going to be Premiership contenders. I just feel like this might be... Respectfully, the weakest iteration of their Ford pack. And that doesn't mean they can't improve. Trent Loero has been killing it. He's very young. A guy like Josh King, still developing. But yeah, it's not the same storm sides that uh, delivered Premiership success. Although I don't think Trent Loero is getting a fucking boat and Josh King's getting a house and things like that. So now they're playing within the salary cap. So. Whatever. But even, you know, after the salary cap scandal, they've always been able to bring guys through. Felice Kafusi have uh, replaced Kevin Proctor, who I believe replaced Adam Blair. Like, they've always got someone to stand up next. But right now, I think, as far as competing with the top of the top sides, I think their forward pack does leave quite a bit to be desired. So that's what I'm going to be looking for here. My players in focus are in the halves. But for the Storm, it's who is going to be the Ford, and it can't just be one of them, that takes their game to the next level. Now, stat attack, courtesy of David Middleton. The Eels lead the NRL for tries scored, and are second for points scored. So there you go, no shortage of attacking prowess. Jermaine Hopgood is the NRL's leading offloader, with 41. What a season Jermaine Hopgood's had, just quietly how the Storm have won six of their past seven games in Melbourne and the Eels have won four of their past five games against the Storm. I know this because I noticed, noticed this a couple of years ago that I'd put money on the Storm and then they'd lose to the Eels. And then it became such a pattern that I actually switched it up and started going with the Eels. So yeah, I remember, I remember one game in particular, it was very rainy, maybe like round two game or something like that, and the storm lost, and one of the great bets of all time failed, and then the next day, relationship breakup, damn, damn, so I was like, fuck, I'm still trying to process what the hell happened last night, how the hell did the eels win, now I'm single, anyways, enough about my fucking dating life of the years past, and back to stat attack. Storm winger Xavier Coates has scored 20 tries in 27 games, played in Melbourne. And congratulations to Brad Arthur, 250 games as Parramatta coach. And despite being criticised pretty unfairly a lot of the time, let's just remember where the Eels were uh, when he took over. Right down toward the foot of the ladder. Ricky Stewart spent a little bit of time there and went, fuck, I don't want to borrow this. Now, Ricky did kind of help Brad out by sacking off a lot of players, but then before that, Stephen Kearney, like the Eels were the shittest of the shit. I'm telling you, if you're a, you know if you're a young tucker and you've only just started watching league in the last few years, it wasn't that long ago that Eels were the Tigers. Like where the Tigers are at now, that was the Eels. Brad Arthur was the man who turned it all around. Look at how he got Isaiah Papali'i playing. Bryce Cartwright, Sean Lane, the signing of Jermaine Hopgood, Mitch Moses, super inconsistent when he came over from the Tigers. Mike Acevo, they picked up from Penrith's reserve grade team. Brad Arthur is a fantastic coach. Clint Gutherson, another example. So I'm stoked to see him reach 250 games. And yeah, Jeezy's cop some criticism, considering where the Eels were at before he took over. A lot of short memories in this game. And the Storm have won three of their past four games against the Eels in Melbourne. So there you go, Eels have won four of their past five games, but Storm have won three of the past four in Melbourne. Try to do with that what you will. Prediction, I'm going the Parramatta Eels. Like I said, I had kind of noticed the trend where Eels tend to beat the Storm. Regardless of most of the time, Storm being a better side. So I'm gonna go with the Eels again here. Melbourne Storm last weekend were trash, quite frankly. Uh, So yeah, I think they're gonna bounce back. I do see Melbourne Storm coming out and giving a way better account of themselves. But they're without their first choice centers, no big Nelson. I'm gonna go with the Parramatta Eels here. How? I think through the middle. Now, my main contributor, who I can just see causing them all sorts of issues, Junior Paolo. With no big Nelson or Sofa Solomona, that's what I'm wondering. Like, who in the storm for, uh, pack can actually go head-to-head with this guy? Christian Welch, defensively, can stop him for sure. But there's no one in the storm side who's as damaging a ball runner as Junior Paolo. So I think he's going through the middle with the likes of Hopgood and Madison. You've got someone like Bryce Cartwright on the edge. And I just think Storm relies on Nelson Oso Solomona more than Parramatta rely on Regan Campbell-Gillard. Of course, RCG not taking part here, but that's kind of a one-two punch. They've got Paolo, they've got Regan Campbell-Gillard, whereas for the Storm, they've put all that responsibility into the one player. Like, we've even seen Nelson playing out on the edge just so they can keep him on the field for longer. So yeah, I think he's going to prove to be a massive loss, as are the first-choice centres. I'm going the Eels, but... And I don't want to be a hater and single out uh, players. I think it's not the best form, but... As someone who's tipping the Eels, Wunger Blake on the wing concerns me. It does concern me. But not enough to change my tip. So Wunger Blake, hopefully... Hopefully he can have a fantastic game before he heads off to the Western Force next year in Rugby Union. So there you go, Wanga Blake. I'll back him in. I'm taking the Eels. A lot at stake too. Storm trying to hold on to that top four spot. Eels could go either way. They could actually qualify for the top four or they could miss out altogether. Massive game and I'm gonna be taking the Eels. All right, I uh, must apologize. It's been an hour to cover three games, basically. So I've been going on a few tangents and I've been spending like around 20 minutes per game. So I'm gonna pick up the pace a little bit, but still try and uh, keep it juicy and keep most of the random shit out. Which in saying it, this is random shit. So let's get into it. First game of Super Saturday, the fifth-placed Canberra Raiders up against the 10th-placed Newcastle Knights, uh, who I have a lot of admiration for. And funnily enough, one thing we're learning about the Knights, now they have dropped some games to a few teams. Uh, They lost to Penrith in Golden Point, but for the most part of that game, outside of Nathan Cleary, who made the difference, uh, Newcastle were all over the Panthers. They didn't get the win there, uh, same thing happened with the Broncos. They were all over the Broncos. So the Panthers-Broncos, literally the two best teams in the competition. If you count the Warriors, my team, who are currently third, won a piece. Knights beat us and looked really good uh, a bit earlier in the season. So they've beaten the third-place team. They've gone toe-to-toe with first and second. Unlucky to come away with the losses. And if they had won those, yeah, they'd be in the eight, most likely. They would. They're only one point out. They're less than a win. Uh, So there was a point. It was going into the Bulldogs game uh, where I said both teams were at a point of frustration. And that was my main word that I was identifying with the Knights. Frustration. Not quite being able to ice games uh, but for the better part of the season. Newcastle show up for every game, uh, despite on paper not being a team that's expected to feature during the final series. And at different points, Adam O'Brien has been under massive pressure. So at the moment, you'd have to say, Newcastle have really been the quiet achievers. Sitting 10th, and yeah, I'm nothing but impressed. So as far as what's at stake well, for, uh, fifth, sorry, versus 10th. Knights have a chance, potentially, to finish the round uh, in the top eight, whilst Raiders still gunning for a top four finish at home here, GIO Stadium. A uh, bit quickly back to the Knights and that keyword frustration. I was talking about that going into the Bulldogs game, and it just felt like that was really the turning point of their season. Because they could have easily just let the frustration get to them. The close losses. Being able to compete in games, uh, but not being able to see all the results. They came out, blew Newcastle off the park. Phoenix Crossland was the best dummy half that weekend. Uh, So it was unbelievable. 66-0 against the Bulldogs. And it felt like that was a massive release of all this frustration that had built up. Not just throughout this season, but like I said, Adam O'Brien under massive pressure. Wasn't the only one. Kellen Ponga. Of course, all the concussion chat, the halve switch. There's been plenty going on, uh, but it felt like that was a real release of frustration. And they've been able to, able to put some quality football together since, uh, culminating in last weekend. Massive win over the Melbourne Storm who were a top four side. So that's the theme. Newcastle, which I think is super encouraging, if they can qualify for finals, they've shown. And they now know, without a doubt, that at the very least, they can go toe-to-toe with these teams. And say they play Penrith in the finals, say they play the Broncos, which would most likely, most definitely, be away from Newcastle, They'll be able to go back, watch footage. And whilst there are things they can improve on, and they'll be able to have the opportunity to do that, there will be a lot that they will see in those games. That if they can replicate that, uh, add a little bit of a new layer, given it will be finals, Newcastle have every right to be confident in big finals games, uh, which is absolutely wild. So they've got momentum behind them. But the crucial thing, they're going to play the Raiders at GIO Stadium. Raiders coming off a devastating loss, which they deserved. And I was shocked because they almost won uh, against the Warriors. Uh, But Raiders, they're going to be looking for the bounce back. So for Newcastle, it's super important for them to get the win here because they don't want to lose too much ground. They are only one point outside of the eight. Uh, So Newcastle, I've been speaking about them on the last few podcasts because they're intriguing me. I said on last week's preview uh, that I was super interested in Knights vs Storm because I just thought, given what the Knights had been doing, I thought it was, yeah, like one of those games not everyone was talking about. Uh, But I was excited for it, and it delivered. And most importantly, Newcastle delivered. Best defence of the season, and I know Bradman best. He's going to test the open market. No tangents today, so I'm just not going to talk about that. I don't feel good or bad about that anyway. Uh, But Bradman Best is in the form of his life. Dominic Young, uh, there's a lot to like. Even Adam Elliott was involved in a similar situation last year with the Raiders, who he plays this weekend, uh, where they really started to string a bit of a run together going into last year's final series. So there is a lot at stake here, and uh, my point of difference has to be Ponger. Now, Seb Chris is a quality player, uh, but Ponger, he is back to full peak form—and I'm going with the Raiders here. But I feel I feel good about the Knights, and even if they lose this, they're still in the hunt. Uh, but I'll pull up stat attack in a second because I believe Knights haven't had great recent success. Uh, But that's my point of difference. For the Knights, Callum Ponga, he's playing unbelievably. And I do think that's what makes Knights a very live chance, not just in this game, but on the road to finals. Whilst for the Raiders, uh, my point of difference for them, Matt Timoko, one of my favourite players in the NRL, he is going head-to-head with Bradman Best. That is going to be epic. Uh, Tyson Frizzell has been in fantastic form, as has Lachlan Fitzgibbon, Super League bound next year. On the Raiders side of things, Hudson Young, who's actually a Newcastle kind of area guy. I can't tell you exactly where from. Uh, Corey Horsburgh, the big red. He's, he is going to be steaming. I will not be surprised if by the first minute of the game, he's bright red. And not from fatigue or sunburn, Big big red Corey Horsburgh. He is going to be ready to rip. That's one thing that leans me toward the Raiders. No Daniel Saifiti for the Knights. They've got Jack Hetherington. Needs to behave himself. Great player. And it's a bit fucked because, yeah, by this stage, even when he's still having indiscretions, like, he would have been told many times by Adam O'Brien and everyone, no silly stuff. But he's a great player. Um, Now, Jacob Saifiti, Leo Thompson. Leo Thompson, a couple of years ago, was actually in the Raiders system. was playing New South Wales Cup for them. Really good find from the Newcastle Knights. And over the last few weeks, I've paid much more attention to the Knights than I guess I had throughout the season. And yeah, Leo Thompson, young player who's impressing me a lot. Jacob Saifiti starting... Josh Papali'i was huge, both in stature and performance against the Warriors last weekend, and Joseph Tarponet. We know what Joseph Tarponet can bring. Came from the Knights, boom, there you go. Solid pickup a few years ago. I remember when they signed Joseph Tarponet. He was like an edgeback rower, had even played state championship and uh, New South Wales Cup, bit of center. But now, front row, yeah. It was a good signing at the time, but now, I mean, it's been one of the best signings Raiders have made in the modern era. I'm not going to go through, you know, Mel Meninga's, Laurie Daly's, uh, Ricky Stewart's. In the modern era, two of the absolute best guys the Raiders have brought in, Papali'i, Joseph Tarpane. Throw in the legendary Jared Croker. Um, Also, there is a bit of bias because Raiders are my second team, so I will throw that out there. I'm picking the Raiders. Knights have only won one of their past six games at GIO Stadium, and Raiders, the only team I watch more closely and have over my whole life than the Warriors, or than the Raiders. I don't know what I mean by fucking saying. Raiders are my second team, essentially. So I've watched a lot of them, was what I was trying to say. And I think I have a pretty good gauge for when they're gonna go all right and when they're gonna stink up the joint. And I reckon they'll go all right here. It's Callum Ponga that worries me most on the Newcastle side. And when I think of the Raiders, I'm thinking Corey Horsborough, I reckon he's ready to rip. And I'm ready to rip on to the next game. So let's lock it in. Raiders over the Knights. Up next, Master Coaches, uh, strategically going at it. We have Ryan Carr leading the Dragons into this one. Wind Stadium, Wollongong. So the fans, they will be cheering, except maybe for Ben Hunt. We'll have to see. Hopefully they cheer for him. 15th place, Dragons, led by Ryan Carr. Seagulls, 11th. One point, less than a win, outside of the top eight. The jury, still out. We don't exactly know whether Anthony Siebold has been the right call. Ah, but because, so far, they've been going all right. Tony Seibs, not doing too badly. And this is only his first year at Manly. Now, a big talking point is kind of the shape of the team for next year, but I don't. I don't mind some redemption arcs. Jackson Paolo, who they're bringing over, are uh, towards the end of his South stint, getting death threats. Horrible, horrible stuff. Actually, a really talented young player uh, who had some pretty good form at the start of the year for the Roosters. There's a redemption arc right there, coming over to the Sea Eagles, who as a club in general. I mean, you have the Pride jersey, they sacked Des Hasler. There's been lots and lots and lots of stuff uh, throughout the fiasco. But there are redemption arcs all over the place, which I love. Anthony Siebold himself, as a coach, redemption arc. Shane Flanagan, the assistant right now, signed to the Dragons, who they play this weekend. So I'm sure Flano will be paying close attention to the red V. But Shane Flanagan, redemption arc. Tom Trebojevic are no longer with us for this season. Still alive, most definitely, and healthy. Uh, But we will see him next year. But that in itself, and I really want to see Turbo fit. Even if he's not firing, just fit and healthy, uh, mainly. But anyways, Turbo, redemption arc. Luke Brooks, redemption arc. Matt Lodge, redemption arc. They're all over the place. And they're one point outside the top eight. Got a pretty handy side. But this Dragons one screams danger game. Danger game. Mad Dragons. Okay. I'll just quickly look through both teams. I've got a key battle. Spoiler alert, it's between the captains, halfbacks, uh, Australian, Queensland representatives. Uh, But I'll go through just the battles across the park. Nice and quickly. Like I said, I already took an hour to get through the first three games. And it is 15th versus 11th. But the latter at the moment, a lot of optical illusions. 11th makes Seagulls look not so good. But they're less than a win outside the top eight. And we've seen ebbs and flows throughout the season. The latter was fluctuating a lot through the first portion. Then through Origin, it's steadied a little bit. Uh, Some of the lower teams dropped off. We saw the cream rise to the top. Uh, Teams like the Panthers, uh, at stages the Storm, the Broncos definitely, and even the Mighty Warriors. Uh, But we saw the cream rise to the top. Now in this final part, there's about 12 teams left in it. Now I don't really count the Roosters, like I said, uh, but for argument's sake, they're still in it. Titans, it's a no for me. So Sea Eagles, massive game. And we're just going to have to wait and see. Because if they win, there'll be plenty to talk about. If they lose, it's not too bad. They're a win and one point outside the eight. And it has just felt like ever since that game in Mudgee with the Knights, who sit just one spot above them, 10th, I believe, on equal points. We just knew that mudgy game, it's gonna come into calculations at the end of the year. Uh, so, we've got Reuben Garrick at fullback for the Sea Eagles, who they actually signed from the Dragons uh, a few years ago. Now with Turbo out, obviously they lose plenty, but Reuben Garrick, he's had experience now, he's had plenty of time in the fullback jersey. Uh, obviously KO Weeks, another option, But there's no harm in developing these kids. So Ruben Garrick, he has turned uh, into an essential senior player at this club. And he's going head-to-head with Tyrell Sloan. uh, Who he... He could just about end the Seagulls' season here. Very electric player. I think he needs a little bit more involvement at the moment, coached by Ryan Carr. Uh, But next year, he's going to have Shane Flanagan. Interesting to see... Obviously the debate, Zach Lomax, do you move him to fullback? Well, this is a perfect chance for Tyrell Sloan with Shane Flanagan in the opposition coaching box to show his stuff. So he's going head-to-head with Garrick. Obviously not, the fullbacks aren't directly opposite each other, but both of them have a massive role to play when it comes to getting the result. On the wings for the Seagulls, Jason Saab. Speedster, one of the fastest guys, potentially if you ask us Gould on the planet, maybe not as fast as Josh Adokar, but if you ask Roger Fabry, he will tell you Jason Saab, most likely the fastest player in the game. Uh, so he's going head to head with the wingers. I believe he'll be on the right side, not too sure. Haven't been paying that much attention. Christian Tuipiloutu. Now we knew Garrick would be in this side, Uh, But Tuipulotu, really the beneficiary of Turbo not being good to go. He gets a chance, was a Warriors junior, spent some time at the Roosters. And now he's another player, like Garrick. uh, With Trubojevic missing plenty of action, Garrick spent a lot of time at fullback. Now Christian Tuipulotu, he'd be under 100 games, maybe under 50 as well. uh, But he's had enough experience to be ready for a finals push. Mm-hmm. Whilst for the Dragons, you have Matt Feigei and Michaeli Ravalawa. Maybe some tries will be needed here, most likely. In the centres, former Seagull, Moses Suli and Zach Lomax, who look a lot of the talk for heaps of the time, has been Ben Hunt, doing all the work. His future uncertain, Zach Lomax, he's one of the guys To his credit, uh, that is stepping up big time over the last month or so. Same goes for Brad Parker, Mr. Consistent, and Tolu Kola. Coming off probably his best game of the season against Cronulla, Uh, his performance proved a massive difference uh, between a win and a loss. Of course, the Eagles coming within a whisker of giving up the worst comeback, or biggest comeback, in NRL history. So, pretty big moment there. Uh, But my key battle in the halves, Talatau Moan against Josh Schuster, Cherry Evans against Hunt. That's clearly where the game is gonna be won and lost. And the thing where I think Sea Eagles have the edge, Ben Hunt doesn't wanna be there at the Dragons. And there's just, there's all sorts going on at the Dragons. And whilst there's all sorts going on at Manly, to the best of my knowledge, Everyone really wants to be there. Guys like Helmoli, Olikowatu, Matt Lodge, has just landed at the club. Jake Trebojevic wants to be there more than anywhere else in the world. I think he may have even been, uh, he and Turbo, been uh, been juniors from around the Dragons region. They're like, nah, don't want to go there. They want to be at the Seagulls. And for the most part, all these guys do. Even the main guy you could probably bring into question, Josh Schuster, with the signing of Luke Brooks for next year. Josh Schuster has just re-signed, so he wants to be there. Captain Daly Cherry Evans leading the charge. He wants to be there. Uh, the Dragons forward pack, I've sent it, said it plenty. There's just, there's no game breaker. For Seagulls, Helmoli Olakawatu, for sure. I think he's in for a huge game. Matt Lodge has actually been really solid, was fantastic in his Manly debut, and even in his Blacktown Workers game, uh, when they brought him in through New South Wales Cup, he killed it. Uh, so he's actually hitting the right right kind of sweet spot with his form. That'll be very handy for Manly. Uh, Francis Marlowe, Blake Laurie, they're good, uh, but yeah, they just can't make a difference like Lodge, in my opinion. Uh, congratulations as well to Colin Mulheisen, a dummy half, been named for his debut. Could be one to watch for the Dragons. I uh, could be a future guy they can build the club with, or around. I can't speak English. But yeah, I'm going Manly Seagulls. They're halfback. Captain wants to be there. Helmoli Olikowatu just screams Game Breaker here. Uh, if, I don't know if he's going to be up against Billy Burns or Dan Russell, but either way, I don't think Helmoli cares. Lachlan Croker, very serviceable player. I like Lachlan Croker a lot. Oh, and Aaron Woods, another redemption arc. Dean Mattison, throw him in the redemption arc. Uh, We got a lot of redemption arcs and I'm leaning toward that. Seagulls also only one point out of the eight. Uh, So to keep it exciting, Dragons not gonna play finals. We'll see Eagles, let's see if they can win. Let's lock it in, Manly over the Dragons. Saturday night, we are going to be treated uh, to a bit of a feature showcase game. The first place, Penrith Panthers. Looking right now, uh, like they're going to get that three-peat, which was my pre-season prediction. Uh, My beloved Warriors, challenging them in third. Broncos, of course, the biggest challenges. Can the Rabbitohs make a run from outside the uh, the eight? The rate, sound like fucking Scooby-Doo. Parramatta Cowboys, the Cowboys, I mean the Cowboys, I'm pretty sure they play uh, Broncos next. In the midst of all of this, Sharks in a bit of turmoil, surprisingly. Now Craig Fitzgibbon, he's the right man for the job, uh, but Matt Moylan out, word is he might be off to Catalans, Dragons in France, Not not the worst result for Matt Moylan at all. So is it Braden Trindle's time? They also have Niwai Puru, uh, who's a very good talent that they actually got from Penrith. They have Daniel Atkinson. Uh, So it is interesting times for the Sharks. But right now, they are trying to stay in the eight. And realistically, they're trying to challenge for the Premiership. Uh, So as far as combinations, things like that, Teague Wilton out for the season, Talakai now. Out of the centres, although I like uh, the addition of Connor Tracy. And last weekend, a capitulation in the first half against the Sea Eagles. They almost came back in historic fashion. But the thing is, they didn't. And now they are on 26 competition points in 6th place. they won one went outside the top 4. So it's not all doom and gloom. But out of all the sides in the 8, they are the ones with the most... Cause for concern. Now, Cowboys in seventh are on 26. They are raring to go. Uh, could overtake the Sharks. The Eels on 24 points. Uh, if the Sharks lose here, against the Panthers, mind you. Sharks could overtake them potentially. Uh, Rabbitohs on 24 points. One win behind the Sharks. And then Knights and Seagulls, three win. Uh, one sack hell, they're 23 points, so three points, one win, and then one extra point away from the Sharks. But yeah, the Sharks are just a bit off at the moment, so that's kind of the feeling. Like you look at the Rabbitohs, who sit ninth, and you feel still a bit more confident. Like oh, they'll they'll find they'll find the right time to strike in the back end of the season. Whereas Sharks, it's a bit what's doing. So yeah, 26 points. This is a make or break game for their season. In fact, my biggest thing to say about this game, this is season defining. It's not as deep as like, oh, this is gonna define their whole future as a club. No, but for this season, 100%, they're taking on the Panthers. When you look at where both clubs are at, at the moment, Sharks, well, this is the time. And like, if we look back at past form against the Panthers in recent times, And even a lot of times this season, against the best of the best, Sharks have been accused of being flat-track bullies. They haven't been able to show up. But that's all in the past. So season-defining game. If they show up and beat the Panthers, it's back on. They're right back in the mix. Uh, So this is a massive game on Saturday night. Uh, But yeah, looking at where the Sharks are at, they've got a quality team. But I'm going the Panthers. I usually go the Panthers too. They were my pick for the Premiership. And I just think with but where both clubs are at, Sharks could do it. I'm just, I'm not putting my pick on a could do it. Panthers probably will do it. Doesn't mean that they will. But as far as my pick, I'll definitely lean towards a team that probably will rather than a team that could. But I'm just going to quickly go through the Panthers team and highlight why I'm going with the Panthers. And it's because they have the most complete team. Even with a couple of changes, Spencer Lanille uh, is out. But yeah, let me just run through this Panthers team. You've got Dylan Edwards, who we've seen how important he has been to the side. He's been involved in both their premierships. He was involved in the remarkable 2020 season. And when you consider like how he's regarded now and where he was at, In earlier stages of his first grade career, uh, when Penrith weren't doing so well, got dropped to New South Wales Cup at one point, which is underrated. Really good for some of these players' games. Uh, That's a thing doesn't get done as much these days. Uh, But Dylan Edwards Jr. came through uh, the under-20s with them. Success. Two more juniors, Brian Totto, one of the best wingers, maybe not just in the game, but that we've ever seen. Uh, what he brings to the table is unlike a winger I've ever seen before. He does it in Penrith colours. uh, And he just, he's like a heart and soul player of this club. As is Dylan Edwards. You've got Sunia Taruva, who really, this is his breakout year. Another one who's come through their system. Tyrone Peachy. Isaac Tungo, one of the form players of the competition. Being rested or injured here. But far out. Just keep that kid good for finals. You know, you don't have to play him here. Tyrone Peachy has been in sublime form. So why not? He's been playing the house down. Tyrone Peachy, this is the best he's played in years. In fact, it is the best he has played since last time he was at the Panthers. Stephen Crichton, off to the Bulldogs next year. But he's in Panthers colours here. Another one. Over the last three seasons of dominance, he's been there every step of the way. As a very young player too, and arguably, outside of maybe Cameron Munster, the most clutch player in the game. Uh, We saw how he defended at origin level, and we see how Panthers defend. That's the difference. Sharks have great attack, but Panthers have the best defense. Another reason why I'm going for them, they're just a complete side as well. Jerome Luai and Nathan Cleary. Whilst the Sharks have Nico Hines, they are still trying to figure out who plays 5'8". Braden Trindle comes in. For the Panthers, Jack Cogger had been holding it down. But it's back to Cleary and Jerome Luai. They had a dominant game last year, or last week, sorry, and last year. They have dominant games pretty much every time. Uh, but last week, I think there were five try assists between them uh, against the Bulldogs. Cleary's back, he's raring to go, Jerome Luai, he's got a point to prove, and he's been in the news as well, uh, with broadcasters and journalists struggling to talk to players, they're like, alright, let's, Jerome Luai, is he going to the Bulldogs, you know, they've got to have something out there, and that could be a potential reality, but right now, he's a Panther, and again, Luai and Cleary, so, so important, like Edwards, like Isaiah Yo, and many others. I'll get to them in a second as to why uh, Panthers just all around cannot go past them. Love the combination of Mitch Kenny, Sonny Luke with a lot of spark off the bench. Two more guys who've been hugely influential in this Panthers dominance and who've, again, like all these other guys, have come through the Penrith system. Local juniors. Fisher Harris, the Kiwi. Uh, what an absolute star. I saw, uh, I think it was Clarkie's column, released a thing of like highest paid forwards. Adam Vanua Blake was the highest paid, uh, so I'll take that. But James Fisher Harris, he was in like the top three, and you can't say he doesn't deserve it. So Leota, Fisher Harris up against Kalfusi and Toby Rudolph. Scott Sorensen, a former shark. Panthers saying thank you very much. Sorensen's gonna have a point to prove. You guys should have picked me. Now I'm at the Panthers, look at me now, says Scott Sorensen. Liam Martin, we know how good he is. Isaiah Yo, one of the most influential players, again, like so many of these guys. Lindsey Smith has been dominating off the bench. Matt Eisenhuth uh, and Zach Hosking. So Eisenhuth and Hosking come in. And here's a feature, bit of a stat. Eisenhurst brothers, both playing in the NRL this weekend, are for some of the top sides. Good weekend to be in Eisenhurst. In conclusion though, I'm going to go the Panthers. I know I haven't talked too much about the Sharks, but most of the talk going around about them right now, it's, it's not great. So I'll leave that to everyone else. Uh, there are some good points of the Sharks, and of course, this weekend, as soon as the games finish, I'll be sitting down to record the weekend wrap podcast. So usually, if I don't talk about a team too much, if they win on the weekend, I'll talk all about them. And if the Sharks... Well, we'll see. We'll see what kind of effort they put in. Because if they lose badly, I'll have to talk about that too. If they hang in there, have a great performance, win or lose, well, we'll be talking some Sharks this weekend. That's what I think we've learned here. But I'm talking Panthers as far as my prediction... I think they're gonna be licking their lips. Competition is gonna bring out the best in them. I think it would be harder to get themselves up if they were front runners as clearly as they had been last couple of seasons. They're overcoming a few more challenges. Bit of adversity, they still sit first. Broncos fans excited, Warriors fans excited. Are some fan bases more excited than others? You have the Storm who are a bit filthy at the moment. Raiders who are hopeful, rabbitos, eels, cowboys, it's all popping off. And I think Panthers just quietly, this is huge for them because not a lot of people or the main focus hasn't been like Panthers are clearly going to win this historic three-peat. So it's kind of hush-hush for a side that has done what they've done over the last couple of years you'd have to say they're kind of flying under the radar. Like, everyone expects them to win, whatnot. But right now, I mean, it's been ages since Warriors have been truly in the mix. You could even say the same for the Brisbane Broncos. It's been since 2006. You have the Rabbitohs and just all these years of having a good, honest crack at it, still wanting to get it done. Uh, All the other teams I mentioned, they're motivated as ever. And with all this chatter around all these exciting teams, well, Panthers, they're just going about their business. So, yeah, I'm going Panthers here for all the reasons I just mentioned. Let's see how it plays out. Sunday football, the penultimate game of the round. And in my opinion, the trickiest game. In Bundaberg, uh, to pick this round. You have the Bulldogs, who have been pretty shocking this year, um, but with Avrillo at fullback, Sexton and Burton in the halves, Joshua car's back, you've got Tefida Pango Jr., who really needs to prove himself if he wants to stick around, Preston and Kickow in the back row, uh, which I think is the Dogs' best path to victory, running lines off their halves. I think at times Nicorima's defense can come into question. But my pick for this is pretty simple, even though I have a lot of hesitation with it. I'm going to take the Dolphins purely on the fact, uh, or two facts, three even. I like their bench more, uh, which is an interesting point there, because I think competitively, dogs might have the better 13 as far as starting, but I think throughout the full 80 minutes, I think Dolphins, look, they got everything to play for. They are still a chance at playing finals, but a loss here most likely spells the end of that. So I'm going Dolphins for that reason. They're a new club, it's fun. I wanna see them at the very least still in the mix. And look, Cameron Sorreldo, he's got the task of getting the dogs up to speed, but Wayne Bennett, Wayne Bennett. So in a game that I have absolutely no idea what's gonna happen, I expect this to be the Bulldogs, one of their best outings of the season. They could surprise us all here, uh, but two words, Wayne Bennett. I'm taking the Dolphins, I'm moving on to the final game of the round. Finishing up with the final game of round 22. Uh, it's all over for the 14th place Titans, let's be honest. But still, big game for them in a Queensland derby against the seventh-placed Cowboys, who, honestly, they're on track for a top-four finish. They look like serious contenders for the Premiership. Uh, So it's going to be vital as to how they finish the season. Will they be a top-four side? Will they be a top-eight side? Uh, Not those same conversations happening around the Titans, who were very poor against the roosters but all of a sudden started to fire when Jaden Campbell got involved and that's the biggest question mark it's very clear uh, they need to find a way to get Jaden Campbell on the park for 60 minutes 80 minutes sorry goodness gracious what is wrong with me today um but yeah that's a short takeaway as much Jaden Campbell as possible they need it you're sitting 14th uh, but the thing is AJ Brimson is established, Foreign is established. Unless you move either Brimson into the halves, I reckon play potentially uh, Campbell at six and Foreign at seven and just give Foreign a similar role. I don't know. It's up to uh, Jim Lenihan at the moment. I think Des Hasler, I'm interested to see what he does with everyone, Mr. Des Hasler. But right now, uh, we're talking about 2023, shocking defense for the Titans. Now they have all these distractions, even if Tino and David Fafita stay. Just all this noise around the club. Tino's not playing here as well. We saw how badly they missed him against the Roosters. Uh, Whilst the Cowboys have been on a fair run, I must say. After a dismal start to the season, uh, guys like uh, Drinkwater, Tom Dearden, and Rhys Robson, who's now coming off Origin, Uh, But I'm just quickly pulling up the Cowboys uh, Just as to this run they've actually been on So last weekend, they beat the Eels Now Eels in a similar position, didn't have the best start uh, But were hitting top form So that was an interesting meeting, Cowboys got it done Week before, so that's two points Week before that, Four Pines Park, Sydney Cowboys get it done, four points By before that, six points So two consecutive wins there. 74-0 against the Tigers. So they're getting all the maximum points. 31-6 over the Rabbitohs. They beat the Panthers 27-23 with some Scott Drinkwater brilliance by round 15. Round 14, they pummeled the Melbourne Storm. Uh, And round 13, they lost to the Eels. So they haven't lost They've collected two points every round since round 13. So that's huge. They are a genuine premiership contender. I think we can say that. Uh, So fast forward to this game now against the Titans. Brimson captains the side at fullback. I'll get into the stat attack uh, in a moment because good stats on Brimson and Drinkwater. But if I had to pick one on form right now, you have to go. With Scott Drinkwater. I don't think anyone debates that. Huge signing from the Cowboys. Getting Viliami Vallier for next year. He is going to be a star. A huge signing this year. Semi Velme, Up against the Lofi Khan Pereira. You've got Holmes and Hiku in the centres. Murray Lungi on the wing. Like Vorin and Boyd in the halves for the Titans. Dearden and Townsend. I think they're going to be able to get it done here. Uh, really important for the Titans, Sam Verrills, Mo Fodawaka, David Fafita, Jaden Campbell. Those are my highlight players. Uh, look, Kuli, uh kefu from Fine Fuyaki. just got through that name. He starts in the back row in place of Jeremiah Nanai, who's injured for four to six weeks, most likely six. Uh, so this is a big opportunity for him. Le- uh, Luciano Lua has returned to the side at a good time. You've got Ruben Cotter heart and soul player, and Tal Malolo off the bench, which is interesting, throw in a bit of Jake Granville, 200 gamer, and yeah, interesting matchup. I am gonna go with the Cowboys, but firstly, stat attack. Cowboys have won 13 of their past 16 games against the Titans, so that only really solidifies my pick. Titans fullback, and this is interesting because this adds to the argument Maybe Brimson over Campbell is the best solution for the Titans' fullback role. Uh, Brimson has scored seven tries in nine games against the Cowboys, whilst Drinkwater has scored six tries in his past five games, making a real late play uh, despite suspension to maybe be a deli M. Schmokey. Titans on the ladder, they're a bottom four team. Uh, Might just stay that way, we'll see. They're not a top eight team. Cowboys, 26 points. So one win ahead of the Eels. Sharks, they're on the same amount of wins as. One win behind the Raiders. One win behind the Storm. Our Warriors will have the bye. So they'll get two points and go ahead. But that tells you right here, Cowboys, over this round and the next couple, it's looking pretty likely that they're going to shore themselves up uh, as a top four side. If you want to be a top four side, you do not lose to the Gold Coast Titans. Uh, So I'm going to take Cowboys to continue their run of form. With a top four opportunity on the line, it would be a remarkable story. The crap start to the season, but there were reasons for that. And now look at them. Scott Drinkwater front and centre. I am going to take the Cowboys. And with that being said, that's the podcast. I'll be back this weekend once all the action is wrapped up for the weekend wrap podcast and got a couple of things happening over on the Instagram as well at not just a sports report. if you're interested. But other than that, that's the preview. Those are the predictions and we'll come back to it this weekend. Thank you for listening as always. And most importantly, take care and enjoy the footy this weekend.